The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines, the commercial airline the U.S. military trusts to perform maintenance on its aircraft. Learn more at deltatakingaction.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 30th. In today's news, President Trump says he will try to end birthright citizenship. A week out from the midterms, Republicans are pouring money into House districts that Trump handily won two years ago. And China threatens to cut off tourist travel to the United States if Trump continues escalating the trade war. But first, the big idea. The first funerals will be held in Pittsburgh today for the victims of the Tree of Life synagogue shooting as Trump visits the morning city. The funerals will be for Cecil Rosenthal and David Rosenthal, two brothers in their 50s who had been going to the synagogue since they were young boys. Mayor William Peduto, a Democrat, told reporters that the president should wait before visiting, citing security considerations and sensitivity for those who were suffering. Chuck Diamond, a former rabbi at Tree of Life, also said during an appearance on MSNBC that Trump should wait a week to visit Pittsburgh. But Trump is going anyway. He'll meet with law enforcement and first responders to the shooting. Trump's been struggling to balance the highly partisan closing message that he planned for the midterms with calls for unity that are expected of any president in the wake of violence like this. The White House's fraught balancing act was on display Monday during an afternoon press briefing, the first in nearly a month, where Press Secretary Sarah Sanders sought to soothe national divisions while simultaneously inflaming them. Sanders choked up while decrying the heinous acts in Pittsburgh and said that Trump had risen to the occasion. Then she reiterated the president's argument that the media is partly responsible for the hateful atmosphere that caused the violence and attacked Democrats from the podium. The moment is charged, to say the least, and America is on edge. Authorities yesterday intercepted another mail bomb addressed to CNN and revealed that the bombing suspect kept a list of more than 100 possible targets. The FBI has recovered that list and is notifying those who are on it so they can take precautions in checking their mail. It includes high-profile celebrities and media personalities. And sadly, there's other troubling politically charged and racially motivated violence to report. Four shots were fired into the county Republican Party office in Daytona, Florida, early Monday. The office was empty at the time, fortunately, and no one was injured. And police in Kentucky are treating the deaths of Maurice Stallard and Vicki Lee Jones as a hate crime. According to police, the suspect, Gregory Allen Bush, tried to break into First Baptist, a predominantly African-American church, just 10 to 15 minutes before shooting two African-Americans at a grocery store. He couldn't get in, and police say that many more would have died if he had been able to get into the church. Bush reportedly told one man that, quote, Whites don't kill whites shortly before he was captured. Before I close, let's turn back to Pittsburgh. Saturday's deadly attack shattered the sense of peace and safety in Squirrel Hill, the Jewish community that was targeted. But the response has been true to the local spirit, politically spirited and resilient. Above all, Squirrel Hill Jews are recognized for their inclusiveness. Residents aren't split by the denominational divides that typify other Jewish communities. The neighborhood mikvah, the ritual bath, is open to all Jews rather than those of the Orthodox persuasion alone. Jewish congregations of different religious outlooks also share buildings 
and are intimately involved in the communal life of the others. Few places embody this spirit more than the Tree of Life complex. But this morning, that sacred space is still off limits, wrapped in police tape and surrounded by camera crews. The parishioners at Tree of Life have become refugees in their own city. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Homeland Security and Pentagon officials announced Monday that they will send 5,200 active duty U.S. troops, as well as helicopters and giant spools of razor wire to the Mexican border to brace for the arrival of Central American migrants that Trump has taken to calling an invasion. The deployment, which is already underway, is being called Operation Faithful Patriot. The mobilization will focus first on hardening the border in Texas, followed by Arizona and then California. Blackhawk helicopters being sent to the area will have night vision capabilities and sensors, and they'll carry troops who are highly trained in the kind of aerial combat missions used by the military in active war zones. The activation of such a large contingent of active duty forces, as opposed to National Guard troops, has no modern precedent and appears to be the largest of its kind in a century during peacetime. Why is Trump deploying the military instead of the National Guard? Because he's scared of pushback from governors. Back in June, during the family separation crisis, several governors called their guardsmen home from the border amid outrage about what was happening. The White House worried that governors would say no if asked for help from the National Guard to stop the so-called caravan. In related news, Trump just announced plans to sign an executive order that would try to remove the right to citizenship for babies of non-citizens born on U.S. soil. This move would face certain legal challenges on 14th Amendment grounds and almost certainly would end up before the Supreme Court. The president said he's aware of the legal risks in trying to end birthright citizenship, but he plans to proceed anyway and take his chances. The president was tentatively scheduled to deliver a nationally televised address on Tuesday night about immigration. He was considering announcing a plan to at least temporarily ban the entry of all Central American migrants at the southern border and deny them the opportunity to seek asylum. Some aides told him that this would violate international law. The president has scuttled those remarks for now and will visit Pittsburgh instead. Number two. In the final six days before the midterms, Trump will hold 11 rallies across eight states, including two stops in Florida. Trump's schedule is focused on helping Republicans in statewide races for Senate and governor, virtually ignoring competitive House races that could keep the chamber in GOP hands. The White House has grown particularly nervous in recent days about the Senate contests in Florida, Missouri, and Arizona, states that a few weeks ago they were confident Republicans would win. Meanwhile, the National Republican Congressional Committee, the official House GOP campaign arm, has gone up in the 11th hour with TV ads in several places where GOP candidates were presumed to be safe. But polls show they're now too close for comfort. For example, the NRCC is putting commercials on the air today in South Carolina's 1st District. This is an area that stretches along the coast and includes Charleston. Republican nominee Katie Arrington has had trouble putting away her Democratic opponent, Joe Cunningham. Arrington defeated Representative Mark Sanford in a primary defined by her support for Trump and the incumbent's criticism of the president. This has cost her GOP support. Cunningham, the Democrat's slogan is low country over party. He casts himself as a moderate who will provide a check and balance on Trump. The NRCC is also hitting the airwaves in rural Washington state, the Atlanta suburbs and Palm Beach. Republicans note that Democrats have retreated from other districts that were targets for them, including one in Omaha, Nebraska, and another in northern Minnesota's Iron Range. 
This means that the blue wave might not be as big as some Democrats hope. But the fact that Republicans are going into some of these places shows that the GOP remains in danger and Democrats remain favored to pick up the House. The NRCC's Matt Gorman says that they're not trying to cover the spread with these new reservations. They're looking for victories. He explained that the name of the game right now is volatility. And he said, we've seen it on both sides. Number three, if Trump's trade war with China continues to escalate, Beijing is considering cracking down on tourist travel to the United States, a move that could cost U.S. businesses billions. It wouldn't be the first time. During a diplomatic dispute with South Korea late last year, the Chinese government banned the sale of package tours to Seoul and Jeju Island. That boycott cost South Korean businesses $7 billion in U.S. dollars in just a few months. Launching a similar boycott against the U.S. would risk keeping away millions of middle-class Chinese who put a premium on American education and thirst to visit here. Chinese tourists spend an average of $6,900 on every trip to the United States, more than those who come from most other countries. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 30th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 